Next on BYUSN, what football positions are already Big 12 ready for the Cougars? Speaking of the Big 12, big news today with the conference and the NFL that directly impacts BYU football. And we're excited about it. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Wednesday, March 15th. I am Jerem Jordan. He is Dave McCann. Here we are in the middle of March. Basketball season's over, but we got stuff popping, man. Yeah, this is a big, busy day, and it just got busier a few moments ago. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about the Big 12 today. Which position is Big 12 ready for BYU? And then the NFL Network comes out with a, an announcement with the Big 12 that they're going to put this big party together that's going to have a big impact on BYU players trying to get to the league. The athletic Stuart Mandel, he's always writing about conference expansion. This morning he's talking about it right here with us on BYU Sports Nation. And five-time All-American Casey Klinger is going to run some laps here in studio this morning. I imagine he'd have to run a lot of laps uh, to yeah. get to where he got in the 3K and the 5K. Let's get to some headlines. Baseball had an incredible performance yesterday against Utah in a 7-0 win against the Utes. It was a combined one-hitter and obviously the shutout. Good stuff for BYU who needed a win, had a losing streak, got a win against the rivals, and even had a solo homer from Jacob Wilk, which sounded and looked like this. Into center field. Hit it hard, fighting the breeze, and it's back. It's gone! <laughs> Dave McCann on the call. BYU opens its final run in the West Coast Conference tomorrow at LMU. I recommend three hours with Gary Shidey for everybody, every day. <laughs> Football news, Sione Takitaki going to stay with the Browns, reportedly signing a one-year $2.6 million deal. He's coming off that ACL, but boy, he was playing good before he got hurt. And the Browns want him at least for another year, and they're going to pay him. Jamal Williams' future is up in the air now with the Lions after the after they signed the Bears running back, David Montgomery, to a three-year deal. That was a bit of a surprise last night. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport reporting Jamal is expected to land somewhere else. We'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah, a bit surprising there, yeah. uh, given the season and the personality he brings to that team. Big 12 and NFL partnered for a conference-wide pro day to be hosted at the Dallas Cowboys practice facility in Frisco, Texas, starting next year in 2024. The date is TBD. All 14 teams will participate, including BYU, and it will be televised on NFL Network. As for this year's Pro Day, that is uh, coming up Friday, March 24th, live right here on BYU TV. A lot of big ideas coming with the Big mm -hmm. 12 and the new commissioner. Softball hosts number 25 Utah tonight at 8 Eastern. It's the home opener for BYU TV, weather permitting. Also, bad weather in the Midwest forced the cancellation of the Cougars games at Iowa State and Omaha for this weekend. So instead, BYU is going to play at Utah Tech on Thursday in St. George, and they'll host Idaho State at a Saturday doubleheader at Gale Miller Field. Women's tennis plays at Fresno State today and then take on Harvard and Cal Poly Friday and Saturday. Overseas, former BYU basketball star Elijah Bryant, game MVP in the EuroLeague in their win over Real Madrid, 17 points, 3 assists, 17 boards for, for Elijah. And former Cougar Yoli Childs continues to chug along, scoring 19 points, had 3 assists, 12 rebounds, a solid day in their loss to Hapo El Tel Aviv. Still playing in uh, Germany, so there you go. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. Meet me at the top. 
Cougars are in week two of spring ball, getting ready for their first foray into the big leagues of Power 5 football. Certainly the Cougars have paved a path to this point that's been unique as an independent, more prepared than some of the other expansion candidates, having played tougher schedules despite me not liking it uh, a couple years ago. But when, hey, you're headed for the Big 12, that makes sense. So Dave, which football position groups are Big 12 ready in your mind right now? Been to practice a few times and, and, and watched them. And of course, a lot of the guys are sitting out that will be impact players in the fall because of injuries uh, from last season. But I'm going to stick with the running theme of, of there's only one guy out there that has 34 starts against P5 opponents, and that's Keaton Slovis. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just throw the quarterback situation in there now. Cade Fennigan has got a lot of inexperience coming from Boise State. And you got Jake Retzlaff from junior college. So after Slovis, there are question marks. But when you got a guy who's been there and done that, I think he as a whole makes that position group uh, very important. And think about it, BYU's always had to have their quarterback stay healthy uh, or, there's a, or there's a significant drop-off with the exception of when Baylor Romney was hanging out on the sideline uh, to back up Jaron Hall. But um, I think it's the quarterbacks. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think Keaton certainly is. Yeah, nobody else with D1 real experience behind him, right? Um, the wide receivers and tight ends feel like a pretty good group. Yeah. I like the starters. Um, you know, you got the big three uh, at receivers, BYU and Keanu Hill and Chase Roberts, Cody Epps, and then Isaac Rex. And then you like some of the young talent behind him, especially at tight end. There's some exciting guys like Jackson Bowers coming right. in. Right. Top 300 ESPN guy, always like that. Um, offensive line, though, to me, feels like it is ready to go, and especially because the last couple of years, BYU's been churning out ballers. Think about it. Kingsley Suamata'i is going to be a top three-round pick probably in the 24 or 25 draft. That means BYU's left tackle will have been drafted, you know, three dudes in a row. Yeah. Not years, but dudes. And then if Keaton Slovis is as good as we're hoping he is and he gets drafted and Jaron gets drafted, that would be three quarterbacks. That's, if you could pick one and two positions, I would argue those are the top two that you would want. So that's awesome. Let's break down the offensive line a little bit more. So Kingsley... Amazing. He's going to play left tackle in Sharpie. Put it in there. Uh, right tackle is going to be an interesting battle. Ian Fitzgerald comes over from Missouri State. They really like him with that experience. Uh, Missouri State almost beat Arkansas, by the way, which is what BYU didn't do um, in Provo. Right. Braden Keim has been waiting his time. Another 6'8 guy. That's what you do at right tackle, apparently, at BYU. Got to be 6'8. <laughs> and then Lisa Tai could be there as well. On the interior, PFF's number one uh, pass block graded center in the country was Connor Pay last year at 91.4. He could be the center or Paul Miley and Pay plays guard. I asked Connor that Friday after practice. Yeah, he what said, he said. He's good either way. Yeah. He just wants to play. Okay. Uh, and one thing he said is, as you mentioned the size, he goes, we're all big now. There's no, we have ex inexperience, yes. but the inexperience comes with giant size. And remember a few years ago, we didn't have experience or size. But now the rebuild, this, this is old. This is Kalani Sataki, BYU football, Lavelle Edwards era guys where you, you send up monsters to pass protect or open run lanes. And, and Connor believes that this group is capable of, of doing what last year's group did, which was a very good offensive line, especially when it came to protecting the quarterback. I would argue, and uh, I mean, it was one of BYU's greatest offensive line ever. Uh, we're going to look back and see that there were three or four NFL guys on that on that line you could argue some of those 80s offensive lines were the best ever but in the pff era yeah. this is the best BYU offensive line we'd ever seen so other guys in the mix waylon lapua who comes from utah state he could be one of the starting guards as well peter falanaiku vaiso ifua so i i like this group and the development of hey we we've got to uh give ourselves a chance here not only pass blocking but in the run game 
Last year, I think uh, the run blocking grade was number 12 in the country. The running backs weren't gaining extra yards. Yeah. They were, uh, I was told by, you know, uh, one, one person on the team, we, w we typically ran for the yards that it was blocked as opposed to what Tyler was doing, which was if it was blocked for six, he was getting 12 yeah. and sometimes 50, right? And that's an interesting perspective because yeah. there were, you look at the Notre Dame game, you just need one yard, when, just can't get the one yard. Well, the offensive line can't block. Well, it's, it's so much to do with, with who's carrying the football, Algier or Tyson Williams or Jamal Williams. Those guys go, hey, I need a yard. I'm going to get you a yard and an inch if that's all I get. I'm getting you the At first down. At least that. At least that. And so a lot of heat went on the, on the offensive line. But you know they were good because um, the quarterback was rarely touched all season. Um, and so I think the addition of Aiden Robbins and the um, – uh, and Martin, the Martin kid coming in yep. as a freshman, and Rapati and those guys have an opportunity to make the line look a lot better. Yes. Just by hitting holes. Yes. Now, offensively, we've focused on those <laughs> position groups. Defensively, D-line uh, certainly needs to be upgraded. Um, excited about some of the additions. Uh, Isaiah Banya and uh, Jackson Cravens and others. Tyler Batty continues to develop and so on and so forth. You get more uh, Atunaiso Mahe this year, kind of banged up last year. Linebackers, obviously, you like Ben Bywater and Max Tooley. Can Chaz Ayu be healthy? Uh, who else is in the mix there? And, and are we playing two linebackers? Are we playing three? Are we playing four? I'd imagine there'll be a lot of nickel, yeah. a 4-2-5 right. uh, with, with the Big 12. And if that's the case, then Bywater and Tooley put them in great position, and then you work the backups, right? If you're just going to yes. start two, then you're like, okay, I like that spot. But if you're going to start three... Week to week on what team... Uh, what teams show if if it's if you're playing Oklahoma you're going to be in a nickel a lot they're going to spread you out right yeah. but if they're going to throw in 12 and 22 personnel with tight ends or running back you gotta you gotta load up with backers so I I do like BYU's starting secondary as well you bring in Eddie Heckard who I, I think this guy's going to be a baller I'm very excited about him. yeah, yeah. Uh, Jacob Robinson will play the other corner and then Malik Moore is back healthy redshirted after an injury uh, to his uh, hand after four games and then Micah Harper had a really nice season the rest of the way, getting experience at safety. So I like the, the secondary. You just need a little more in that as well. I've never super been concerned about the starters at BYU. I, I, I would like to see more from the D-line specifically. Um, it's, it's kind of the backups because it's football, attrition, yeah. inevitability that you need backups. And let's keep an eye on the portal when it opens for football. Mm -hmm. I think it's May 1st. I think it's 15 days. There's going to be something there. Yes. And there's a reason why... Yes. Kalani Sataki said back in February, hey, I'm saving some scholarships for when the portal opens back up. Yes. Just in case there's some guys that fit needs and you just rolled out some of the needs, there'll be some guys. Yeah. And so that's something to watch here coming up. And we'll see, you know, there are guys that lose position battles and aren't starters that may want to bounce, uh, opening up even more. Who knows? It's just what it is. And I love those receivers we talked about earlier. Uh, uh, Big 12 ready receivers, well, you look at Epps 5'11", then Robert 6'3", then Hill 6'4", and then Rex 6'6". All right, that's Big 12 size, and we know they're fast. they got good yep. hands. So uh, I, I think it's going to be exciting. All right, here's another topic that's hot this morning. Big 12 and the NFL partnered to announce a conference-wide pro day at the Dallas Cowboys facility in 2024. That's next year. Your initial thoughts on this brand-new idea where I have a feeling the other conferences are going, why didn't we think of that? This is awesome. I, I love it. So I, I've confirmed that, you know, BYU will cease to have its own, um, which makes total sense. Right. Um, and so the last one is next Friday right here on BYU TV. Enjoy it. Um, this is great. And Brett Yormark continues to push the envelope of what collegiate athletics in a conference can be and do. 
invites Shaq to the Big 12 championships to be a DJ at a party. They have specific foods from all the teams. The national anthem singers and halftimes are big-time shows. It's, it's, he comes from the entertainment industry and the sports industry, but he is le- allowing those two to collide. Obviously, he is open for business. That doesn't just mean expansion, I think, for right. him. It means let's just make an entertaining product. I think this will become a sort of spring football media day uh, of sorts as well. There's a fan fest associated with it. The exposure of more scouts there live on NFL Network is awesome. I think other leagues will take this idea and probably add it themselves. If the SEC does it, all they would need to do is do Alabama, LSU, Georgia, and they would have like 120 guys. But this will be great. It has been fun to have our own thing here at BYU, and BYU's done a tremendous job. Indications are that it was one of the best in the country by itself. Right. Um, and, you know, you, you saw what happened when Zach Wilson crushed Pro Day and that one throw got him, you know, as high as number two or whatever. It, it's been fun, but this is going to be cool. BYU will not have its own anymore, but it will assimilate into the league. Same with Media Day. We've done our own Media right. Day here. We now don't have that, although We're creating uh, on stuff. March 31st we'll make a spring football Media Day of sure. sorts. Um, but th- this is great. I, I just love the proactivity and the uh, dynamic nature of your mark in the league saying, what, how else can we make this interesting? And certainly this is an idea where you go, yes, why did no one think of this before? The NFL model is there of how to make football year-round. You know, every, there's not two months that go by without something from the NFL, whether it's the combine or the draft or mini camps or whatever. Free agent signings the last con- couple free days agent have signings. been big. Yeah. Yeah. We're constantly thinking about football, um, and, then, and now they've found a way to get football early, late July maybe, early August for their preseason and moving forward. But I go back to the scene with uh, when, when the commissioner was here uh, on our game day set before the Baylor game, first time in Provo in, in his life. And, that was um, a good day for him to be there. Oh, yeah. And the scene, the, the student, <laughs> the rock was behind him. I think they were chanting his name. Yeah. The stadium was sold out. The night was perfect. And you could just see him looking around going, his mind was working because he thinks big things. And when he asked Jeff Simpson, our director of BYU TV afterwards, going, you do this every, every game? And he's like, yes, we do. And it's just like, you know, he's got ideas. And then when he said he'd be back with Bigger and Better, uh, one, he's sending Oklahoma here in November. Yes, he is. Um, I, I just think that you got to keep your eye on this guy. He's going places, and BYU's going with him, even if it's Pro Day in Frisco, Texas next year. And if you're a kid going to Pro Day in the Dallas Cowboys facility, knowing that the whole league is sitting right there, does that not help you run a little bit faster? I, I think it's pretty good. And, and BYU was getting a lot of teams already to its own Pro Day. But I think every team in the league is going to be there. There was only one team that wasn't there two years ago, by the way. Yeah. I, I mean, BYU was attracting. Uh, We're going to have a scouts. lot of attention, too, next Friday. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Our question of the day is this. Uh, back to our first trending topic. Which BYU football position group uh, or groups are Big 12 ready right now, in your opinion? Uh, Matt Anderson on Instagram. Offensive line has experience, depth, and talent. Pass protection was solid last year. Run blocking improved over the year, but needs to start and finish strong. In 2023, continue to weigh in on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. BYU's rolling out their home opener for softball tonight. As the nature of weather has it, they spend the whole first two months on the road. But they get to come home, and what do they come home to? Torrential rain, at least so far this morning. (laughs) But they're going to play Utah tonight if we get a break in the conditions. Coverage on BYU TV and the BYU TV app with Spencer and Gary start at 8 o'clock Eastern time. This is always a spirited showdown. Both teams are good. Let's just hope we get a break in the weather and, and we play we play ball. And the they got the ranked. field tarped, yep. but 
you know, but man, there's a ton of water coming Let, down. Yeah, it's it's coming down. Let's hope it clears out. Will there be any movement on the Big 12, Pac-12 uh, expansion front anytime soon? Stuart Mandel of The Athletic will join us next to discuss. This is BYU Sports Nation. Yes, they did. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live in Studio B. Jerem Jordan, Dave McCann, and our next guest is Stuart Mandel, the editor-in-chief of at The Athletic and co-host of the Audible podcast. Welcome back to the show, Stuart. Good to see you, man. Good to see you guys. Okay, we'll talk about Big 12, Pac-12 stuff, but, uh, but I wanted to get your reaction first to the news that the Big 12 is going to have its own NFL Pro Day, a combine next year. Uh, seems like a good idea. Brett Yormark uh, continues to kind of do some new stuff. What's your reaction to this? It's a great idea. It makes you wonder why did nobody think of this before. <laughs> um, I've always, I've always want, uh, found it to be a very um, inefficient and probably expensive process for these teams to fly from school to school to school to watch people work out. So, um, you know, between, uh, I mean, you're probably going to get more. I mean, I would think you would get a lot more uh, GMs. You know, not just just lower level people there, and it's just cool for the players. You know, to not all of them get to go to the NFL combine, right? That's a that's a very um, just kind of top of the list. So it's going to be a cool experience, I think. I give Brett Yormark a lot of credit on that one. Stuart, let's talk about March Madness, and we're not referring to basketball. How many times have you been asked an expansion question over the last couple of weeks? It's, it's constant. Um, it's the dominant topic in college sports right now. And, and but there hasn't been a lot of, like firm news or really none i guess so you're just kind of filling the space right now as everybody awaits something definitive is it odd that that there isn't anything like what you're describing there to fuel this thing outside of fans getting you know self-conscious about being left out of something you know one of the interesting things about this this situation is when texas and oklahoma left right it came out of complete nowhere when they left the sec when USC and UCLA left for the Big Ten, it came out of complete nowhere. Generally, realignment happens in a very stealth, um, secretive manner. Whereas in this case, kind of Brett Yormark kind of called his shot last July, and we've just been um, waiting it out ever since. It's a it's a very prolonged process with not a lot of firm information. So, um, you know, it, I know it, it's challenging for us to discern between what's credible and not, and on we, us in the media, much less a fan on Twitter who's seeing um, speculation on all, all corners, and it might not necessarily be able to recognize what's coming from a credible source and what's not. What is the latest in that regard, uh, whether it be the Pac-12's TV deal or the Big 12 looking to poach, or those seem to be connected? Oh, they're 100% connected. Uh, you know, uh, Brett Yormark has not been shy about stating the conferences, the Big 12's desire to get into the Pacific time zone, to get into that fourth time zone. We know which four schools he's talking about. Um, but those four schools are waiting to see what the final um, deal looks like. And uh, the Pac-12 TV deal has dragged on and on, and the negotiations have dragged on and on, and, and much to the frustration of, of everybody involved. But 
I do think we're nearing the finish line. The Pac-12 presidents are meeting again. They met uh, during the basketball tournament in Vegas. They're meeting again next week. The expectation, nothing's firm, but the expectation is that they're going to be uh, receiving from George Klyovkov the details of either a proposal or maybe there's multiple proposals. I don't know. And at that point, they would need to approve it. If they don't, then that opens the door to the possibility that schools might leave. Arizona State's president this morning uh, out in the media being quoted as saying that, that, that you're right, they're going to get this deal, he thinks it's going to be enough, and that everyone's being uh, held together, and that, that really no one's going to bolt. Is that just posturing, or do you think there's something to that? Um, with realignment, it's not, it's not like it would be the first time somebody said we're, we're completely committed to the conference and then turning around and bolting um a week later but it mirrors what our reporting has has told us over the last i would say a few weeks that the the pack the big 12 is really uh, kind of honing in on colorado and arizona specifically i don't believe arizona state or utah have any interest in leaving the pack 12. now if it were a disastrous tv deal that might change the equation uh but there's no there's no that wouldn't make sense you know in the marketplace it's not like the, the TV value between the Big 12 and the Pac-12 is is decidedly better for the Big 12. You know, I think the realistic scenario here is that whatever number they get is going to be around the Big 12s, right? Maybe a little less, maybe a little more. And schools that want to be in the Pac-12, there's not a lot of motivation to leave for just that. The equation might be a little different for Colorado and Arizona, in particular Arizona. I think they're, um, you know, that, that would be a basketball play for the Big 12. And of the four, my sense is Arizona is the only one where a good chunk of the fan base wants them to move because they're basketball fans. And there's no question the Big 12 will be a better basketball conference than um, the Pac-12 without UCLA. Is the Colorado move just because they used to be in the league? Because uh, generally speaking right now, not, not uh, breaking the bank with contributions across the board, but certainly Dion's interesting, but that he could be somewhere else in a couple of years. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, Colorado has been the worst program in the Pac-12 since they joined. And it doesn't, you know, if you were looking at that, it's like, why of that of all programs would the Big 12 be thirsting after? I think it's Dion. Uh, it, it fits, um, it, you know, Brett Yormark has right another initiative, another philosophy is he wants to make the Big 12 the cool conference. Dion's cool. Um, and Dion, by the way, is basically the de facto AD at Colorado. Now, if he wants to be in the Big 12, he'll be in the Big 12. But like you said, and I've been emphasizing that to other people as well, what assurance do you have that he will be the coach of Colorado when that new deal begins in 2025? I don't think it would be wise on either side to make a such a significant decision of conference membership and locking yourself into a long-term deal over a football coach. Football coaches come and go. Or is it, uh, if we get one, perhaps we can crumble the league a little bit? I, you know, perhaps the Pac-12 could, could lose two, but then add two and maintain Power 5 status in theory? There's, there's some notion that if they were to get Colorado and Arizona, that the other two would feel compelled to follow. And, of course, the big, the big targets are Oregon and Washington, right? So if, if you can get two, then do Arizona State and Utah panic and they come, and at that point, the Pac-12 is not a feasible conference, and Oregon and Washington might feel like they have to follow suit. Um, I think Oregon and Washington, I don't think it's any secret, are holding out hope for a Big Ten invite. 
it's bad timing for them that the Big Ten commissioner left uh, right right as this was all happening, and they don't have a commissioner right now. So, you know, I think in the coming weeks we'll we'll get a clearer sense of this. Colorado and Arizona on their own are actually, um, if you were to look at football viewership, below average in the Pac-12. So I don't think the two of them leaving on their own crumbles the conference. Maybe you go get San Diego State and SMU to get back to 10 and, and, and go on. But, you know, once it gets past two, uh, you know, I think the two things that would be existential threats to the Pac-12, one would be Oregon and Washington going to the Big Ten. I think that would be the end of it, actually. Or more than two four-corner schools leaving. Before we ask you a Gonzaga question, uh, just to follow up on that, because how can you move on as a league uh, if you're not Washington and Oregon when you've already heard those two schools say they want to be married to someone else? How do you even trust that that relationship can continue where you pass on stability, more or less, in a conference like the Big 12 where, where no one's going to be leaving anytime soon? Well... We don't know yet the details of how long a TV deal the Pac-12 is is getting. Is it five years? Is it seven years? I don't. I can't imagine it's longer than six or seven years, uh, because we're right. Like the next question is, okay, here's the deal: Are you guys willing to sign a grant of rights? Um, I think to have any stability, they've got to sign a grant of rights. If not, you're kind of like a group of five conference where the schools could leave at any time. Um, you know, maybe maybe they put in an exit fee, but you know, that's different to me than, for instance, the ACC, where the schools have literally turned over their TV rights for another um, 13 years. So um, that that to me is the is the biggest question in all of it. Um, are you are Oregon and Washington going to play hardball? Are they going to ask for, for instance, unequal revenue sharing? Are they going to say, look, we've got leverage here. We know there's interest in us. Um, they actually had meetings with the Big Ten last fall we deserve a bigger share of the pie, kind of like what the Florida State Athletic Director is talking about um, in the ACC. He doesn't have any leverage because that deal is locked in for so long. Oregon and Washington do. Stuart Mandel is with us from The Athletic. How soon do you think Gonzaga will be a member of the Big 12 playing basketball? A few weeks. <laughs> I mean, really? That quick? Uh, it's, uh, it's not playing basketball, but 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 signing on to the Big 12. I think you know from what we've been told, it's very it's very it's inevitable um, for a couple reasons. You know, one, it's obviously a very attractive basketball conference. Two, Gonzaga is only going to leave the WCC if the conference they're going to is willing to take all their sports and not just men's and women's basketball. And the Big 12, from what we have been told has given them that assurance. I don't know that the Pac-12, I mean, the Pac-12 is just not far enough along to be able to, to make any sort of assurances to Gonzaga. So we think Brett Yormark is obviously priority number one is those Pac-12 schools. You know, waiting to see what happens there. But I don't, whatever happens there, I still think they want Gonzaga. Brett Yormark is, is uh, positioning the Big 12 as the top basketball conference, right? Um, he, he feels like that's a way to, you know, you're not going to be the Big Ten and SEC, but how do you distinguish yourself in some fashion? Uh, basketball. Basketball is not, does not drive the money that football does, but it's not insignificant either. And if you were to get Gonzaga to go with Kansas, Baylor, those are the last two national champions. Houston is coming in. They're the number one seed in the NCAA tournament right now. Um, 
that's the best basketball conference. And if you can add Arizona too, my goodness, that's now you're like the SEC of basketball. I know that Gonzaga has been told to be ready for whenever that goes down. Um, so that kind of uh, confirms that as well, which is interesting. Regarding basketball, Brett Yormark has said he wants to – he think it can be more lucrative. He did some entertainment things around the Big 12 championships uh, last week with Shaq showing up as a, as a DJ and foods and halftime performances that are a little more interesting. What, what role does basketball have in this conversation, as you mentioned, where, okay, now, now you become the SEC in that regard, um, and you still want, obviously, to continue to – you're essentially playing for third in football, but what role could basketball have in all of this if you add Gonzaga, Arizona, and whatnot? So, obviously, his background is he worked for, at the Brooklyn Nets for a long time. He's a basketball guy. Um, and he has said on the record he thinks it's undervalued. Uh, and and I think – so, I think the long-term strategy is, okay, they already did their deal for, for this one. But come 2030, separating them out, right? You sell football in one package, you sell basketball in another. Is that going to pay off? I have no idea. Um, basketball in general – is about 20% of a, of a conference's TV value, maybe a little bit more in some, maybe a little bit less in others. It's not going to, you know, um, get you to the Big Ten and SEC level, but it could get you closer. Certainly that's something they have that the Pac-12 doesn't. I mean, Pac-12 basketball, I joke sometimes, might as well be taking place on, on Jupiter because all the games are, almost all the games are on Pac-12 network. Um, the championship game the other day was at 10.30 p.m. Eastern. There are good teams in that conference, and it gets no exposure. So, um, if that if this kind of right now it's kind of a race to be in third, right? To be the clear, you know, third most powerful conference. That's probably the most um, the biggest draw they have that the the Pac-12 does not. Getting on the uh, you know medal stand is always always good. Uh, so. The Big 12 plan for that. Stuart, we appreciate the time. We uh, recommend everyone check out your stuff on The Athletic and The Audible Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Stuart Mandel. Uh, interesting about Gonzaga. Perhaps a couple, couple of weeks, weeks away. That's what jumped off the, the page on that interview. A couple of weeks, maybe? Yeah, and, and again, I'll mention it. Uh, I was told that uh, you know, Gonzaga is on standby for when that could happen. Um, so that could be interesting. We thought we kind of parted ways with the Zags. Perhaps not. Maybe not. According to Stuart Mandel. No. I was stunned that he offended all the basketball fans on Jupiter, just like in one <laughs> they are. T that's where they held Space Jam. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's over there. Hey, plan to be with us on Friday, March 24th. Mentioned it a moment ago for BYU Pro Day, the last BYU Pro Day. Jaron Hall, Puka Nakua of Lake Freeland, and other Cougars will work out for NFL scouts. It's a two-hour BYU Sports Nation special. Coverage begins at noon Eastern. That's March 24th on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Coming up in the whip, Jamal Williams might play for a new team. Which team do we think he might play for? Plus, Lauren Gustin, was she listed as an AP All-American? And if so, where? We'll tell you. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This is BYU Sports Nation. To interact with the show and get great content throughout the day, you can follow us on our social media platforms. There's Facebook, there's Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Just got word that uh, Mark Pope will hold a Zoom press conference coming up tomorrow at uh, noon Mountain Time. No uh, specific content was discussed with that, but we'll bring you the latest on Friday's BYU Sports Nation from that. He is Dave, I am Jerem. Let's whip it. Good whip round is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics 
shipping partner, Logistics. Exactly. ESPN's Jordan Reed ranking the top 15 quarterbacks in the NFL draft. He's got Jaron Hall at 13, projected as a late day three pick or undrafted free agent. Have you considered the possibility of Jaron Hall not being drafted? Not really, uh, but it's certainly a possibility. Yeah. It's a really good quarterback class. Uh, Jaron has shown well, I think because of his efficiency, the way he takes care of the ball, his maturity, his athleticism, that he will be drafted. But sure, there's a timeline in the multiverse where he doesn't, but I don't think it's this one. Yeah, I think you're right. And we haven't heard anyone other than this guy suggesting late day three or, or maybe not at all. Yeah, and I'm thinking he's day three, um, but I think it's on day three. I don't think he's undrafted. Yeah. Uh, the Lions seem to be moving on from Jamal Williams, as we mentioned. Where do you want to see Jay Swag Daddy end up playing next year? The Lions are awesome. They finally get something good and they go, you know what, let's give it away. <laughs> uh, so they signed the Montgomery from the Bears. Yep. We surprised us last night when we yep. saw that. Everything I've read this morning is the Bills are interested in him, possibly the Bengals mm -hmm. are interested in Jamal Williams. That puts him on a Super Bowl contending team if that were to happen. Uh, but it's all about money. I, I, from what I read, the, the Lions and Jamal were far apart mm. on what he's looking to cash in on uh, after leading the NFL in rushing touchdowns. And he had 1,000 yards. 1,000 yards. Yes. This and he's was... in a conversation with Barry Sanders. This... Come on, Lions. In this way, yes. Um, <laughs> certainly had an amazing year. By the way, another metric just to quantify how good he was fourth in the NFL in first downs. So he is getting meaningful stuff when he totes the rock. So yeah, we'll, we'll see where he lands. Certainly I think Jamal is a really good number two in the league. Um, he had put up number one numbers, yeah. but if you can get a combo of, of two guys, I just, yeah, it'd be nice to see him on a contender. Yeah. Like you mentioned, the Buffalo Bills would, would be, be interesting. Yeah. Uh, that, that would put him a chance to win a ring. Is Zach Moss still on the, the Bills after this year? Like, you'd have a Ute and a Cougar, that could be kind of fun. That would be that. something. Yeah. That would be something. Lauren Gustin, not named to the AP All-American team, which was released this morning. Surprised? A little bit. Um, I think BYU's team was a little bit better. I, just, yeah, she was a little bit um, kind of punished for the team not being better, but ah, she was just so good. Like, she was not just the leading rebounder, she was the best rebounder in a long time and seventh most in a season, which, by the way, if she plays two games in the WNIT and she has her average, she'll set the record, the NCAA record. I mean, you'd have Kyle Collinsworth in triple doubles, Lauren Gustin's in uh, single season rebounding. A little bit surprised, was hoping she'd at least get honorably mentioned, but you have to be on the first, second, or third team and get some votes to at least be on that list. It seems like when you lead the country in rebounds and you are the first to get 500 points and 500 rebounds in the country, men or women, that that would get you at least on the third team All-American. It should matter. Thank goodness the Big 12's next year. Yep. Because you go do half those numbers in the Big 12 and all of a sudden you're Magically as good you as you already were, yep. but you finally get recognized for it. That's too bad. You know, baseball got a 7-0 win over Utah last night. Was that worth more than just one win? I think so, and, and we'll find out Thursday when they go to LMU, but they, they've had so many problems with errors and untimely at-bats and poor pitching, especially in the later innings. They did all three of those things yesterday. Allowed one hit to Utah in nine innings. Amazing. Uh, and they were one inch away from a combined no-hitter on an infield on an infield single. No errors, timely hits, will get a home run. The catcher who had two hits all season gets a hit his first at bat. All that builds confidence. They're young, they're competitive. They have potential to be pretty good. They're trying to get Big 12 ready. So yesterday I thought was huge. 
as long as they back it up Thursday with another good day. Yes, and it was Utah. So, yes, yeah. it's worth more and than it was Utah. And there was a bit of a losing streak. It was nice to snap that. BYU football posted this video from spring practice. If you notice, it's a new defensive coordinator, Jay Hill, and he is excited. He loves his new job. So on a scale of one to Jay Hill, how excited are you right now for spring football? Hey, I'm excited. Uh, back from Vegas, went to Phoenix on a little vacation. I'm excited to go to practice, uh, you know, tonight and Friday and uh, see the guys. And uh, I'm not quite Jay Hill level, but I am excited. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be at practice and interview Keaton Slovis. We'll have that tomorrow yeah. as he settles in as the new quarterback. If you missed any of our interviews, shows, or games, you can find them anytime, BYUSN.com. Download the BYU TV app. You can watch Cougar Sports all day long on demand. It's a spectacular site. People dream of this site back in the day, and now it's a reality. We really did. Uh, it's awesome to have it. Coming up, he's a five-time All-American. Just took top four in two races at the NCAA Indoor National Championships in track and field. Casey Klinger is back on the program. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Casey Klinger getting it done at NCA Indoor National Championships. Jerem Jordan alongside Dave McCann. Casey Klinger in studio. He's been on the show a bunch of times. Congratulations, man, uh, at NCA Indoor National Championships. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Okay, so uh, second in the 5K, fourth in the 3K. Those are on back-to-back -back days, by the way. No rest for the weary. Uh, what was it like to take second and fourth, and uh, were you happy with those uh, finishes? Yeah, I, I was happy with the finish. It, I mean, this is my first indoor uh, national championship, um, so going in, I was a little, a little bit nervous, but I just I knew I was prepared, and uh, it was super um, nice to place where I thought I could. So. Now you came over to the studio, it's pouring rain outside. So I'm gonna ask you a question. What do you enjoy more, indoor or outdoor? On a day like today, <laughs> probably indoor. And what's the difference? Um, honestly, the only difference is that the track size really indoors, it's a 200 meter track, 400, or outdoor is a 400 meter track. And so they're both fun. I mean, it's nice to have a, a switch up in racing, so. What's the like strategy more. differential of indoor versus outdoor when the track is different? Yeah, with the smaller track, it's definitely harder to make moves. So um, you have to be a little more tactically aware um, when to make moves because it's it's hard to get around a lot of people on such a small track. So, are you a good rebounder in basketball? Like you box out a little bit? When you uh, is it weird? I mean, to like... if you look at me, I'm pretty. I'm good at boxing <laughs> out. So I did okay. Is you know? it, uh, it is it weird to while you're running sort of keep someone off you? Like walk us through that strategy. Um, yeah, I mean, especially in indoors, it's it's it gets pretty bunched up, so you have to be pretty aware, kind of let people know that you're there and try to protect your position. It's like NASCAR. Yeah. yeah you exactly. Just kinda, you just kind of move over a little bit, and they go, oh, "Okay, his fender's here." Slightly left the whole time. Is that what you're saying? Left turns. Uh, is it? How close have you come to just going down with a whole group? Going down. You know, like getting tripped up. And you, oh, mentioned, yeah. you mentioned how bunched up you are together. Like especially to France, indoor. indoor speed skating, yeah. right? One bike goes down, they all go down. Yeah, yeah, I mean, for a lot of the race, you're just looking at the person ahead of you or looking at the, a couple guys ahead of you, making sure that you're ready to make a move if someone goes down because it gets pretty bunched up. So I've, I've come pretty close to falling, but luckily I haven't yet. So 
Being top five in uh, in two different categories, which is awesome, 3K and 5K, what were your goals going in, and what was the, the approach in each of those races to get what you got? So the race was in Albuquerque, and having it be at altitude, uh, I knew I was prepared for that because it's kind of the same as Utah. But um, the goal was just to stay in contention and to be a competitor in both races and to see what I had the last you know, 400 meters of the race. And um, I was pleased with the 5K. I had to have a strong finish, and um, the 3K was decent as well. So um, I was glad that I kind of executed my plan pretty well. So. How was it on campus when, when you're a football player or a basketball player doing amazing things? Everybody knows who that person is. You walk around, you're a five-time All-American. You go in the library and say, a five-time All-American just walked in here and no one got up. <laughs> no one's even looking. What, what is that like? Do you feel under the radar despite the success that you've had, which is tremendous? I mean, honestly, the people in my circle are super supportive. And honestly, the athletes and the administration at BYU is super supportive. So... I've never felt like under the radar, yeah. honestly. I mean, of course, when you compare to football and basketball, like, yeah, like there's a difference there. But um, I've really, I'm just grateful for the opportunity, and it's it's been special. And there's a coolness factor too, right? It, yeah. it's, it's cool to be a five-time All-American. It's all right. Yeah. Your kids are gonna love it someday. <laughs> it's like my dad was five-time All-American. Maybe more before you're done. Yeah. We'll see. They'll probably and, think I'm lame. <laughs> and, and you have another full season of uh, outdoor right now, cross-country, indoor, outdoor, right? Yeah. Awesome. Um, and you totally came in to BYU under the radar as the Gatorade National Runner of the Year. Uh, yeah. So you've been off the radar for a while. Um, and, and, of course, we know your in-laws, the Bowers, uh, the volleyball family. Morgan's your wife. What's the, what's the sort of dynamic of, like, the volleyball family integrating into, like, running and supporting you? What's that like? Um, they've been awesome. They're so supportive. They're, I mean, they've traveled to multiple of my ra a bunch of my races. And so... They understand sports and being in like the competition. Um, there's a little bit of a learning curve, just it's, but, and for me it was for volleyball, like just kind of getting to know the game. But um, they've been great. It's been super fun to be a part of that with them. So, but by the way, your kids will think you're really cool, and then they will think you're lame, and then they'll come back to think <laughs> you're really cool. That's so yeah, you have all that ahead. And that's with no athleticism. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's just based on existence. But um, a great future ahead. What do, you, what do you look for with the outdoor season and then your final year at BYU? What do you, outside of a national champion, mm -hmm. what's the goal? Well, right. I mean, there's only one spot up from second. So I'm hoping to yeah. focus on that national championship in outdoors. And then after that, I got another year. So I just want to um, take it race by race and just do the best I can and then go from there. Yeah. I, I uh, you know, drove down to Arizona and back last week, and I couldn't help but think about Flagstaff, although I didn't go through, tried to avoid okay. snow. I was thinking about NAU and that <laughs> rivalry. Is there an indoor thing with them, too, or is it just cross-country? Uh, there's always a thing. I mean, we're, we're always <laughs> racing each other. They always have really good track guys, too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, when, when there's an NAU guy in the race, you kind of kind of know. And yeah, you, you look at him, know. he looks at you. Yeah. It's like, all right, let's go. Okay, yeah, yeah it's on. Yeah. What, what is it like to have an Ed Eyestone uh your access to to a runner like that it's it's special i'm super grateful for him he's i mean he's been with me every step of the way in college and he's just he's been a great coach he helps push me and um i think i kind of help push him a little bit too on good. stuff but it's 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 been good and um yeah I'm, I'm excited for this um last little bit with him because he's really been a great coach for me awesome. how do you push him how do you push an olympian um, 
just um, in workouts, sometimes I want to do more. <laughs> and we kind of have to find a balance of what's the right amount. And so I think we kind of, um, yeah, just kind of push each other in different ways. And it's, it's, it's good. So like after 10 miles, you want to go 12. I think, let's know. We're, going to, yeah. we're staying at 10. This is one of my favorite questions we always get asked, Dave. How many miles uh, are you logging a week? And does uh, it vary by season? <laughs> um, right now, I'm, my high is 90 miles a week. So <laughs> 90 miles a week. Yeah. And so it kind of builds up year by year. So I'm, yeah, this year has been about 90 miles a week. So what's the, uh, the average per day you're, you're doing? Average, I mean, it varies, but it's... I can't remember what 90 is, 15, 16? Something, something like that. I think it's 16. Do you have like a certain route? Because if, if you live in Provo, you're familiar with cross-country team running around, the men and the women. Oh, yeah, Sometimes tip place. you, sometimes yeah. Provo, right? Um, who chooses where you're going and what the route is and who kind of leads? Uh, it, it's different every day. I mean, we try to not like have like designated leaders who choose the run. It's just kind of whatever people are feeling like running we run out to the canyon a lot are you looking for hills are you looking for hills when you're out there sometimes is it yeah, we got plenty we'll, up on the bench we'll run on the shoreline trail yeah. up in the provo canyon and stuff so ever see any cougars up there like not yet luckily if you yeah. do just keep running yeah <laughs> 16 miles a day did i hear you right I, if i did the math right I, wow it's, it's around there so jared ward talked about this a couple years ago where in a couple a couple of former BYU guys obviously have transitioned into marathons how much of a leap is that to a marathon? Because certainly 26 is crazy, but it's 10 more than you're doing. 10 yeah. doesn't feel like a lot, but certainly that's a lot, right? Well, I mean, so Ed Isone is like a marathoner, right? right. He's a legendary marathoner. And he, I mean, a lot of the training he implements into our cross country and track is kind of marathon style workouts, mm. just a little modified. So um, it, it's, it's still kind of a, a, a jump. 26.2 um, is, is quite a long race so yeah. <laughs> um but i think a lot of guys who have transitioned into the marathon have done pretty well just because our training kind of is kind of based around a lot of marathon style you run a marathon no no do you want to one day oh yeah 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 but not not yet not yet <laughs> I, I had a buddy who literally did not train and just went and ran one one time and i was like I applaud your mental strength, but also you're crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah. don't, what, what are you doing? He couldn't walk uh, for days. Like, yeah, yeah, crazy. I, I bet. <laughs> your degree crazy. is in business? Yeah. How's that coming? It's going good. On yeah. track to get done? Yeah, got another year, and so that should be good. Fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Well, good luck with the outdoor season, which I know uh, starts this week at Stanford. You, you going to that meet, or are you I'm, taking that one off? No, I'm taking that one off. Awesome. We'll I think you deserve it, uh, based <laughs> on the uh, national. So thanks for coming in, and best of luck. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay, Casey Klinger on BYU Sports Nation. Basketball back at the Marriott Center on Friday night in the WNIT when Lauren Gustin, who should have been an All-American at yeah. some phase. This is BYU Sports Nation only. Yeah. WNIT, BYU Rice. Our live coverage starts 9 Eastern on the BYU TV app. That's Friday night. 32 rebounds from the single season record in the NCAA. Can't you get a Friday? Yeah. Let's, Let's do it. Let's go. Rise and shout out to winning and making short work of it. Baseball getting it done yesterday. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation's On Demand. Download the free BYU TV and BYU radio apps or listen to the podcast and please subscribe, rate, and review.
Big day here today. Uh, talking to, you know, uh, top five finishers in the national championships in indoor track and field. We got Stuart Mandel telling us that, hey, Gonzaga is going to go to the Big 12 in the next couple of weeks, he Yeah, thinks. that was his opinion. Like, what? Wow. Um, you know, and then we'll, we'll see what happens with Pac-12 TV uh, live on Ion Television or whatever <laughs> they, they get, which is, which is crazy. But it, it certainly affects uh, BYU. And I don't think we realized, Dave, when BYU got to the Big 12 that we would attach ourselves – Literally, literally to the wagon of anything Big 12 versus Pac-12 is a BYU-Utah thing. Yeah, it's become that. Whether we th believe that or not. It's a one-upsmanship. Sure. And, um, and, and the fact that the Utes are vulnerable now after having the one-upmanship for 12 years makes it like there it is. exciting to get involved with. There it is. But crazy nonetheless. Okay, our question of the day is this. Uh, which BYU football position groups are Big 12 ready right now? Our Elite Voice of the Day is presented by... PAX Healthcare Elevated at two underscore six underscore schema. The fans. That's the right. fans are Big 12 ready. I think BYU's facilities have been Big 12 ready for a while. The fan base uh, is one of the best in the country, and uh, the tradition is amazing. The fans are amazing. Yes, absolutely. Um, let's hope that some of the players are as well, which I think they are. The fans aren't out recruiting. The fans aren't worried about the backup center. <laughs> some, some email so the team like, hey, I saw so-and-so. But the fans, the fans are into the colors. They're into the tradition. They're into the exposure. They're into not being second rate, mm -hmm. as, uh, the, as many have felt, uh, by not being in a P5. Uh, the fans are ready. Uh, the question is, are the fans ready to pay? Yeah. They're and ready I think to pay they are. P5 money. It's, yeah. it's a price that comes with it. Today's Rising Shoutout is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Shoutout to the baseball team. They needed one yesterday. They got it. Seven to nothing, a one-hitter oh, combined maybe. against Utah. And I give them a props for a two-hour, 29-minute game. Some rules That's are awesome. engaged to speed things up, but the storm was coming in. That's great. They got all nine innings in, and they won it in style. Our thanks to today's guest, Stuart Mandel and Casey Klinger. Tomorrow, quarterback Keaton Slovis. We'll hear from him. And as always, conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. This and all our shows on demand at BYUSN.com. For Dave, I'm Jerem. Shout-out to Netta Lee. We'll see you tonight, 8 Eastern, for BYU softball versus Utah on BYU TV. Go Cougs.